Hello, everyone, and welcome to a special anniversary episode of the Best Pictures Podcast. And for our second special anniversary, we are doing 1980s Flash Gordon with a special guest you probably have heard before from both Die Hard, White Christmas, and Jaws, Lola. Hi, everyone. Yes, Lola is back to celebrate the fact that we have been doing this podcast for two years. Two years. Can you believe it? You guys are doing it long enough now where if you get married, people won't raise their eyebrows at you. So congratulations. I can already tell you that's not happening. Yeah, we're not getting married. Oh, no. Sorry. Oh, for podcast married? <laughs> yeah, we can declare it legally, right? <laughs> you know, I'm just now saying. officially, it's common law podcast married. I mean, I'm okay with I'm this, just I saying, think. Joe Exotic got married to two men at the same time, <laughs> so I think you can get married to a podcast. I don't know. Maybe we should just like scrap the Flash Gordon and just talk about Tiger Kings. I've only um, seen two episodes, so no, we have to do Flash Gordon. Okay. <laughs> um, but as Eden was saying for this special episode, you know, last year we did The Room, so we thought, let's continue with this tradition of doing movies that maybe wouldn't get any Oscars but that we still really enjoy and have fun with and that are cult classics. So we were doing the 1980 Flash Gordon. It is a space opera based on the comic strip by the same name. It was directed by Michael Hodges and stars Sam J. Jones, Melody Anderson, Topol, Max von Sydow, which who we sadly lost earlier this year Aww. makes me really really sad mm-hmm. um timothy dalton brian blessed and ornella muti so i would say that there are definitely some pretty well-known actors in that mix apparently federico fellini and sergio leone were both considered for director because dino de Laurentiis was a producer on this um and he is a very well-known uh italian film producer mm-hmm. and then also produced uh la strada which is of course an italian film he also produced the 1976 King Kong remake, The Shootist, and David Lynch's Dune. So actually some pretty big names behind this one. Well, I feel like it was what a comic mo- comic book movie of its day, kind of like we think of Marvel, or at least was intended to be. Or am I like way off base there? Oh, it's 100% camp, and it was intentionally 100% camp. Uh, and like I love it's it a throwback it. to those old like you can't even really call them sci-fi like they're just space opera serials um and it's great this is also apparently a favorite movie of edgar wright who's the director who did the cornetto trilogy and baby driver so just throwing that out there i'm glad i share similar tastes lola's really quiet right now and it's making me nervous (laughs) i learned this weekend that i don't like space operas (laughs) (laughs) and that is okay i like the idea of space operas And, you know, on paper, I should love a space opera. It's right up my alley. It's a bad movie. Even Andrew was commenting on how I should love this, but I just couldn't get into it. However, there are parts that I liked, but I'm not going to lie. Most of the time I was playing Animal Crossing during it and was able to keep up just fine. But it's (laughs) okay. I feel like the issue was, number one, did you watch it sober? Yeah, that was the big issue. I watched it during the day. Oh, Oh, a couple drinks with friends at night, I think, is, like, the optimal way to watch the movie. Um, so maybe at some point we'll give it, like, a second run. Yeah, I'm down. It's just, you know, not uh, something I would immediately pick up. I'm a little mad I spent $7 on it, but 
<laughs> it's okay. I've spent way more on things I've hated way more as well. So it's okay. <laughs> we can still talk about it. <laughs> yeah, so this was the first time that I had watched it during the day with just coffee. And I would like to point out, at least for me, I'd seen it twice before, but the more details that I noticed... Wait, wait, wait. Let's clarify. Ian has seen it twice this year. I may like this movie a lot. <laughs> But Or it just may be like, anytime you're like, I'm sad, I want to watch a movie. I'm like, let's watch Flash Gordon. I mean, that one's good. Princess Bride's another, but Flash Gordon. And mm -hmm. here's the thing, though. Even Stone Cold Sober, the details that you begin to notice just make it so much better. We'll get to the, like, the little details when we move through the, the watch notes, but it made me so happy. I think it's notable that when I told Lola this is one of my favorite movies, and she said, why... I was I think I was just like it's like neon like it's just neon and bright and glittery and sparkly and ridiculous and all of those things are things that I love. See, I love I love all of these things too. That's why I'm still I'm very confused because I also like I would put this at the same level of quality as Legend. And I loved Legend. <laughs> Again but though, we one... watched Legend like at very night drunk. we were all drinking. We were like, "Oh, let's watch this weird movie that none of us know anything about and we had already watched like a cinderella story three mm -hmm. or something so i yeah. mean primed it's a for it primed yeah. for it yeah yeah this is not a movie that you go into being like i want to watch some really great cinema this is a movie that you go into being like i'm ready to see like a set designer and a costume designer just like go at something because I love the set design in this movie. I think it is so detailed. And the costume design, too. Like, all of it's ridiculous. All of it is far too ornate. It's all in bright, clashing colors. But, like, can you imagine being, like, a costume designer or a set designer and somebody comes to you with this and they're like, go ham. You want to put people in eagle wings that basically look like Victoria's Secret angel wings <laughs> and have them, like attack a model of a spaceship like you get to do that that looks like a mosquito <laughs> yeah you get to do that <laughs> have fun oh boy yeah they, they really dallied in the spandex here um mm -hmm. <laughs> a lot of polyester spandex. there's no, there's not a natural fiber on that screen no maybe the leather in the leather shorts but even that or that was probably pleather <laughs> it's definitely pleather <laughs> Do you want to start talking through this maybe like loosely chronologically? Yeah, I'm super game. But the opening sequence, though. <laughs> I like it because immediately it's just absolutely ridiculousness. It's the voice of who we find out is our villain, Ming the Merciless, played by Max von Sydow. And he's talking about Earth and how they're going to invade it. And then he's pressing buttons that are labeled like natural disasters. And my favorite of which is hot hail. Hot hail! Hot okay, hail. Okay, so is it too soon for me to wonder if COVID is a button on that panel? Ooh. <laughs> Yikes. Maybe. Yikes, Ian. But. <laughs> Wait, if, does that mean we're in a Flash Gordon scenario? And does that mean that all of us align with one of the characters in this movie? Have that in the back of your mind as we go through this. Because I want people's answers as to what they think... We, we would be. I mean, I've been drinking a lot of pleasure juice the past two weeks <laughs> while I'm in quarantine, so maybe it is. <laughs> but yeah, so you start off with that, and then we get the introduction to Flash Gordon, 
who is a pro football player who will become our hero. Okay. I was about to say superhero, but he doesn't really have any powers Zero other powers. than football. Literally, Patrick asked me this. So what's his superpower? And I didn't have an answer. <laughs> you know what? Maybe that's why I like this movie better than I like a lot of modern day like Marvel and superhero movies. Is because I'm like, no, no, no. I don't want to see the person with the crazy powers. I want to see the like random person that is just in this. So you like Batman a lot. Yeah, just I, someone I like who's ridiculously handsome and has money and does what he wants. But <laughs> that was not how I would phrase that. That's not why I like that. <laughs> <laughs> he has no powers. Um. So, what's the difference between Flash Gordon and the Flash? Because that's what I thought Flash Gordon was going to turn into. And no, so. Yeah, and he definitely doesn't. The Flash is another comic book character who got struck by lightning and now has super speed. Uh, Flash Gordon is based on like a comic that I honestly know nothing else about that was originally started in like 1934. So that's all I got. Is that the last time the New York Jets were actually good at football? Or Ooh, damn. it might be. I don't know. <laughs> All I, I don't no know about idea. you guys, real quick, but uh, the only thing I can ever think about when I think about the New York Jets is the butt fumble. Um, if you guys have never seen the infamous butt fumble, I highly recommend just doing a good Google of it and ruin an entire man's career, and Ooh. it's worth every second. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you'll have something else to associate with the New York Jets. Yeah, Flash Gordon, um, who did not butt yeah. fumble. Like, let's be clear here. He played beautifully. He got doinked on the head. <laughs> he does get doinked on the head. Um, he is at like this little small airfield. We also meet Dale Arden. Queen. Who I love. Queen. This is only. Oh my God. I love. I love her. This is only in like an eighties movie. Could like your female protagonist be like a travel agent? Yeah. Like that was such a little time capsule. Who just gets to, like, fly in private jets. Which... But hates flying in private jets. She's a very nervous flyer. But it means that they get to hold hands. They do get to hold hands. We also get some really amazing lighting in the whole airplane flight. Because mid-flight, like, suddenly all of the lighting changes. And it's, like, completely, like, reds and greens. Mm -hmm. And it's really unsettling. And that's when they start getting hit by the hot hail. And the pilots just disappear after we see a weird effect of Ming's face just coming out of the sky. This is so ridiculous. I also ridiculous. love this movie for the weird special effects. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I love how they use a lot of models. I love that all of the special effects look like not super good. I love it. <laughs> I Apparently, love it so according to Wikipedia, that was a meteorite that hit them. And it was? No, it was a Ming deer, right? <laughs> no, it was so bad. <laughs> well, do you see what I have to put up with? <laughs> Ian has been playing too much Animal Crossing, where now he's making jokes and bad puns no. out of everything. <laughs> hey, I, I was proud of my bad pun. <laughs> you shouldn't be. You should not be. But apparently it's a meteorite that hits them. Interesting. I was yeah. always like, some weird space thing happened, well, and now the pilots are gone, which lucky for us, 
Flash has been taking flight lessons. It's a good old action movie trope where our hero has taken flight lessons but doesn't know how to land. Oh, I love it. Okay, but to go back to the pilots for a minute, weren't they strapped in? Because it looks like they basically like head on a meteorite and then flew through the windshield. So, (laughs) So in my mind, what happens is they sort of like spectral force got yanked through the windshield. I mean, in this movie, I think that's a reasonable, very plausible theory. <laughs> Thank you. I was going to say, I don't think you can say I'm wrong. I can't. I would have just said, I would have just said Minga ate them. So, oh, I li- uh, yeah, I like probably. spectral force. That sounds way. Why not way both? More fancy. Way fancy. Um, sure. <laughs> Sure. We point is we don't know how these pilots disappear. It's just one of the many things that happens in this movie that like you can't think too hard about it and you really, really just cannot think about the physics or the science at any point. Because it does not add up, but that's okay, because we're in a space opera. Maggie, Zarkov's very disappointed with you for not taking the science into account. I'm sure he is, but I have some <laughs> thoughts on Zarkov's missile design or not missile design, rocket design. Because Dale and Flash crash land into Zarkov's greenhouse. And I actually really love the scene before, the, right before they crash where you get Zarkov mm-hmm. and his assistant. And Zarkov's like, I've been right this whole time, played by the amazing Topple, who is best known, I think, as Tevya in Fiddler on the Roof. I knew he looked familiar. <laughs> I think he slays this movie. He 100% knows what movie he is in, and he is here for it, and he is going to give it his all, and I love it so much. But he's like trying to get the assistant into the rocket, and he, the assistant's like, I'm not going up there. And he's like, why not? Like, I don't understand. Like, don't you want to give your life for science? And then they crash, and he like tricks them onto the rocket. <laughs> Which, can, the lighting's been great up until this point, but there's this specific scene with Dale in the frame, and it's kind of this flashing light that gives this flare that goes across her eyeline. And this is one of those frames that I swear I see in more modern sci-fi sort of, like, light effects. It's, like even You just the, love lens flare. I do, but also this actually did remind me of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek. Like, some of the lighting in there. That is your, like, knowledge point for lens flare. Yeah, wait, you're talking about lens flare, It's a good knowledge point for lens flare, though. I'm not saying you're wrong. And actually, (laughs) no, it is great lens flare. And I'm not saying you're wrong. Um, I feel like you get a lot of lens flare in, like, the 70s and 80s and stuff. Because everything's shiny. I love that it's shiny, though. And then we also get, we got it at the very beginning, which I can't believe I forgot to mention it, but the score. I adore the score, and I adore the music in this film. Uh, the music's by Queen, which is amazing. And you have the main theme that's the, like, Flash, ah, savior of the universe, doo-doo, doo-doo. And it's great, and you always have that, like, driving beat, the, like, doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo-doo yes. that I adore, and I get so excited every time it, like, starts to happen. But the scene in the rocket after they blast off into space, there's a really nice shot of the rocket and then the fluster, the, the thrusters cut out. And right as the thrusters cut out, the music comes in. And it's like the space theme where it's very like... Like synthy 80s. <laughs> that was really good. <laughs> Are you a synth? 
but it, I love that music. And then you get like the fun lighting on like all of them, which I guess the G forces knocked them out. I don't know. Uh, because multiple people have to be in that rocket because apparently one person, one person has to work the pedals while the other person's doing the switches. Yeah. yeah which Zarkov, is really, what are you doing? <laughs> really poor design. <laughs> um, and you get these like amazing like swirly lights. They use a lot of uh, neon colored like smoke and clouds and stuff to kind of be like the nebulas of space. And is that like oil paint on water or something like that? Because it, I'm sure it's pr- like a practical background, but that that's kind of what it reminded me of of like just like droplets swirling on top of a pool of water. I don't know, but it's a it's cool, cool effect. Low budget. Yeah. But that's in the spirit. He said that he needed multiple people in order to work the pedals and the buttons, but at no point was anybody working the pedals or the buttons. So (laughs) that was was my first moment. I was like, wait. Okay. That was a detail that I noticed when I watched it sober. (laughs) Somebody was working the pedals and the buttons at one point. (laughs) They were? Surprise. Never have looked to see if anybody was working the pedals or the buttons. I've always just been like, that's a weird design choice. And then just been like, oh, well, moving on. I mean, we're here for science, right? (laughs) Yes, we are watching this movie for the science. Um, So explain to me how so many people are able to just breathe in space. They're not in space. They're in Ming's realm where they can breathe. So in this section of outer space, (laughs) going from planet to planet... If you are not in a pressurized suit, you won't explode? Correct. Cool. Maggie, my response to your question is, shh, just shh. <laughs> we don't think about it. Block it out. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so one other point that I want to make in the space capsule before they crash land is the budding relationship, the very quickly budding relationship between Dale and Flash. Like, they're all passed out. And they end up kind of just like their hands find each other and they like hold hands and her head is on his shoulder and it's really sweet. And we know that they're in love. Yes. So. Yes. Very dramatic. Very operatic. I'm going to go ahead and say that I'm going to fully accept the Flash Love Dale story and the extremely truncated timeline on which it occurs because not only are natural disasters happening everywhere, they went through a plane crash, got kidnapped into space, discovered aliens exist, and then saved the Earth. I'll allow them to have fallen in love in a very truncated timeline. I mean, who else could you talk to about that experience? But also, how do we know it was so truncated? Because she says to him, Flash, I love you, but we only have 14 hours to save the Earth. Oh, that's right. <laughs> but before the 14 hours, how long of a timeline was it? I feel like it's not that long, right? Like, I think Zarkov like, says <laughs> it went from 15 minutes to 14 hours. I think Zarkov like says some sort of timeline at some point. So I'm going to say it, it's like a couple days max. Eh, whatever. I watched The Bachelor. I suspend that reality. <laughs> the timeline of how much you they, need to follow They up. probably spend... More time together than the contestants on The Bachelor did. Realistically, yes. Um, 15 <laughs> hours together, yeah. And it also matches The Bachelor because other women are vying for his affection at the same time. So really. I feel like this movie just recaptured Lola's attention. Actually, now it has, yes. 
Flash Gordon, <laughs> the bachelor? bachelor? Question mark? I love it. Would watch Will that. you accept this space crystal? <laughs> <laughs> the one-on-one date to Arborea. The pleasure palace. Arborea. Exactly. <laughs> Private pleasure moon. That's where you're going. <laughs> the uh, at-home visits are going to be a little rough. Yes. But... It's fine. They don't have to breathe in space. They could just go. Very true. (laughs) So they crash land. I love the restraints. They're literal gold hands on light strings. Yeah. They do that detail with um, shackles later, too. Like, the shackles are just, like, silver, like, hands. Holding her. Mm -hmm. They look like gauntlets. Yeah. It's, like, a really cool production design detail. Um, But we get introduced to the first of our very weird-looking aliens who capture them and they're taking them through the hallway and we're immediately there's like some political commentary because this was made in 1980 so we're still very much in the cold war because there's some political commentary about like this clearly being an authoritarian state and all of that stuff um because we also get to see the ceremony i don't know the tribute i guess that's happening to emperor ming from all of the different moons or whatever that he's in charge of tribes question mark space colonies yes sure yeah apparently every single one of like these moons and stuff is habited inhabited by like one type of person or species there's no biodiversity they're very small moons it's a very simplistic idea for a very simplistic film (laughs) but i really in this whole sequence wanted to touch on the sets because they are large they are in this extremely striking red and gold with some black accents which work so well in the main hall that i'm thinking of they have two kind of matte black heads of ming on either side of this gigantic door that looks kind of like a stage but is not it's just the door they go into to the main hall with this black and gold on the his his like head figures busts mm-hmm. I guess except they don't have the shoulders they just have the head. The style um, of them reminded me a little bit of like early twentieth century Soviet era art. Yeah, which I think like was a conscious art deco. choice. Yeah, I think it was a conscious choice because again we're in the height of the Cold War because mm-hmm. they also cool. use like with the greeting to Ming all of the people he's over have to say Heil Ming which is very much probably a throwback to Nazis. So I think they kind of took all of this imagery of like totalitarianism. Totalitarianism, <laughs> thank you. From you just need the an 20th, extra tea. <laughs> I was struggling. Uh, but from the 20th century and kind of like mixed it up in how they portrayed Ming to like very blatantly signal like this is our bad guy because i think so the episode we will have released just ahead of this is um on in the heat of the night which like i would say that there are some very clear good guys and bad guys but it's also just like a lot more nuanced and all your characters are like more nuanced and stuff that is not the case with this film we have good versus evil it is super super clear who is who and no one is ever really gonna have that much of a character arc i think Aura has the best character arc and the 
really the only character arc. Uh, Mr. Skinner has a character arc. Mr. Skinner, a.k.a. Prince... It's Prince Baron, I think, who's played by Timothy Dalton. Yeah, but all I can think is paging Mr. Mr. Skinner. Skinner. (laughs) From Hot Fuzz. I love that movie. (laughs) You can tell that they're bad simply because of their eyebrows, right? I mean... That's that's all you needed to know. Yes. Was evil has the best eyebrows, the, the, the most, and that's how you know that Aura's uh, eyebrows. She wasn't as bad because her eyebrows just went straight up. They didn't have that pointy up, then back down. They're not quite as yes. arched. So actually, there's really no arch. They're, They're just, just kind of straight. Yeah. yeah. Well, with that eyeshadow, it doesn't really matter, does it? Her costumes are amazing, yes. and her oh makeup's amazing. And Uh, the introduction to her when we have Flash kind of in the middle of the ceremony. Well, Ming brutally murders the leader of one of the tribes because the leader tried to kill him. So Flash is like, what's going on? He (laughs) says something about this Ming guy is crazy. And then this weird little hovery robot broadcasts it. And everyone's like, who said that? And they're like, him. The prisoner. But... Ara sees him on almost immediately, and I, she has her little pet in tow. It's it's weird. It's bizarre. But I love at the end of this whole thing, she's like, Father, can I have him? Yes. Ara <laughs> is being a little predatory. I do love the bit where like he and Ara clock each other and are like clearly very interested, and Dale's like, hey, hey, you, <laughs> over here. Yeah, very aggressive for um, only have held hands one time um just gonna say that they just traveled twenty thousand miles to get here in held 15 hands, minutes held hands and when they were passed out her head was on his shoulder oh right they're like married you're this is the 80s yeah. <laughs> they're they're they are 80 space opera married um i do want to go back to uh aura asking about if she could have flash gordon she sounded very much like a Veruca Salt. Like, Daddy, can I have him? Daddy, I want him. <laughs> Give him to me. But I want him now. Yeah. That's all I can think about because of her like weird British-ish accent. That she She's Italian. Oh, that makes sense. So uh, the, the director slash producer was definitely begging her, right? I mean. I don't know. She was fairly well-known Italian actress at the time. I only did like a little bit of background reading on this one i was like it's not this is not what we're here for okay then never mind (laughs) no it's all good so we get a fun little football sequence in there i didn't want to like i'm gonna gloss over it but no do it's a football sequence it is delightful to watch it's so stupid dale's like being a cheerleader on the sidelines which i love is it Zarkov ends up like throwing the whatever it is that flash is using to pretend as a football and it just hits flash in the head and yeah, that's when he gets blinked in the head. We also get a little bit of of Voltan. Voltan. Yeah. The like <laughs> the head of I think they're just called Hawkmen. And they're the ones who are wearing like the Victoria's Secret Angels wings. And I love him. He is the biggest character. Well, and he, he just like boinks the opponent team ming's goons on the head a couple times and is then just like do 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 i didn't do anything i'm just here (laughs) it's like a lovely little bit of comedy but it also establishes his character enough so that later when they're like 
you should rebel with us. It's believable that he has talked into it. Yes. Agreed. So it, it wasn't as much as we're like, oh, this is a horrible film. It actually, it had some good cinematography at points. It has some cohesive vision from a character art, character development sort of perspective. Like, I like it. It's not trying to be anything it's not, it, yeah. which I like. And it's also well enough put together that you're like, there's thought in a lot of the stuff. or I mean, all of it really. You're like, this was intentional. Mm-hmm. Okay, so Flash is going to get executed. Before he gets executed, him and Dale have a beautiful moment in the dungeons. And by a beautiful moment, I mean he is there, oiled up and strung up by his wrists from the ceiling while Dale walks in. He's got like a weird thing on his head. With spikes. Yeah, but he takes it off eventually. spikes, yeah, they they take it off. Because he wants to see Dale... And then you've got the the hourglass that runs up instead of down, which I just I think is a nice detail. I just love the line that Dale says when Flash says that she looks really great. She's like, "Yes, it's the eye makeup." Did you catch that? <laughs> yeah, because <laughs> she's already in like full like sequiny. Oh yeah, she's gonna be the co- uh, another bird. concubine for me. Yeah. Sex so yes. sorry we glossed over sex that. Slave. Yeah, it's okay though. Dale will rescue herself she don't need no man just pleasure juice and a slave she will throw someone else under the bus to save herself but she does save herself flash uh as he's about to get executed everyone's gathered you get the bit where the doctor like injects him with something and like says something to him i can't remember what exactly he says but Oh, but this down? scene, though, I I don't remember what he said, but this scene I actually really, really loved, like, and thought it was actually a good sequence, it's like, genuinely good. stunning. And the way you have kind of the funeral procession with the drummers hitting this, like, bomb, 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 like, you get the, the hark- you're hearkening back to that same theme that you love in the theme, Maggie, but you're doing it, like, as a dirge. Okay, so... Love that there. Then even the colors that they're deciding to use with the yellow smoke. The like vibrant yeah. yellow smoke exactly. against the largely red set. It just pops. It's so cool. And then you get the like synthy score uh-huh. coming in. Oh, I did really like great. that yellow smoke. I liked those shorts. <laughs> I'd like to point out that Ian's favorite part <laughs> so far are Flash Gordon struck up. Glistening. (laughs) (laughs) Short shorts. Short shorts. Hey, minus the horrible wig. Like, wait, that's not a wig. He bleached his hair for that. That's his actual hair. That's some eighties hair, man. Okay, I did read that background. (laughs) Horrible hairdo. Then (laughs) I want to say, hearkening back to our Hamlet episode, we get some beefy man thighs. Thank God, he should have been in Hamlet. So I want to say right now, Andrew has made the terrible choice of not getting a haircut. Well, he can't, but he didn't get one before we got shut down. How long until he lets you cut his hair at home? Um, we're getting there. Uh, it's really bad. <laughs> he got mad at me because his hair kind of looks like a, I want to see your manager. Uh, <laughs> it's that long and it's yes. all cut to one side but at some points his hair matched flash gordon's like like if we parted it in the middle and then feathered it like that's what he would look like and he has a mustache so i just like to think that maybe andrew chose this style because he knew that we were going to be recording this movie podcast yeah of course 
Absolutely. That's amazing. But I does that mean does that potentially make Lola our Dale in this apocalyptic scenario? I don't want to be Dale. I want to be. You can be Ara. No. You want to be Ara? I'm not. I don't know. She's she's a lot. I'm not that. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think I most identify with the lizard things in the swamp <laughs> with the eyeballs. In the mouth. <laughs> that is they one were of also my in the dungeon. Favorite costumes. Yeah, they're in the dungeon too. It's how do we even describe these? We will have to just pull a picture they're and put it on the Instagram. Puppets. So, like, imagine you're al- doing an alligator with one hand. And in your palm is the it's eyes. It's like on somebody's head. <laughs> it reminds me of that. Because they're actors doing it. It's insane. It reminds me of that Hey Monsters character that always had his eyeballs in his mouth. Oh, yeah. yeah. They don't look anything alike, but eyeballs in the mouth. That's that's really it. Yeah. I mean, there aren't that many points of reference for that, I hope. No. Um, well. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so we get the execution. Of course, we find out that Ara has seduced the doctor, which is why he saved Flash Gordon, and she springs him out of there. Which, again, Ara is a thirsty bitch, and I love it. <laughs> Ara is also the one who actually saves like the most people in this movie. <laughs> like it's that's not, true. Unless you're saying that, like, oh, because Flash saved everyone on Earth. If we're talking about actual characters that we see. Aura saves more people. Oh, for sure. I mean, she saves them most of the shoes. She can bang them later, but whatever. Uh, you know, it's it's about the action, not the motive in this one, I guess. Oh, my goodness. I my <laughs> I, Also, no one seems to be mad about it. <laughs> it's just a lead up to them banging, like, especially the scene when they're in the spaceship together. It feels like that. But then there's no real, like, payoff because then he starts telepathically talking to Dale. But that's so endearing because even if Ara is like, but I saved you, which I love turning that trope on its head, just saying. Yeah, she really is. She does kind of turn a trope on its head, which I think is why I really like her character. They do, like, shake things up a little bit with this movie, I think, in terms of some of the gender tropes. Some of them they don't, for sure, but some of them they shake up a little bit. I think they only could have an Aura because they had a Dale. Like, I don't think they could have just had a strong woman. They had, well, um, eh, okay. So I'd say they're yeah, both strong, though, I'm in different back ways. I'm going to on that one because that's true in their own way. Yeah. And, like, you'd never get any, like, like I said, Aura's the one with the best arc, but they never, I feel like she's never, like, judged or, like, punished because of her sexuality which is different from a lot of the movies we've been watching lately because we're still stuck in the 60s you're very stuck in that i mean yeah it's i feel like her downfall is the fact that she is playing a dangerous chess game that she doesn't fully have control of yeah but then she wins in the end i'm glad she does in the end but it again like to your point it's not because of her proclivities Right, yeah. Um, but yeah, uh, Flash speaks telepathically to Dale and what's like an awkward but kind of comedic scene. I just want those uh, pilot seats from Ara's ship somewhere that in my house. That ship was really nice. Um, Ara and Flash are going to Arborea because Ara's like, oh no, like my boyfriend will totally help us. 
um, she misreads that situation a little bit. Don't be jealous at all. (laughs) No, not at all. And then Dale, this is where Dale does the like switcheroo with the like quote pleasure juice or whatever. Is that what they actually call it? I'm pretty positive. I can't remember. It sounds that sounds like something that they would call it in this movie. And talks the other woman into drinking it and then like I guess switches outfits and then runs through the palace fighting the weird soldier guys whose faces we never see and I love the touch where after she finishes like disarming one and just like beating it with like the laser rifle she then like kneels down picks up her heels and then like runs to the next place to hide and like puts her heels down and then starts like shooting and doing like cartwheels. It's great. It's a lovely, just a lovely little touch I love. She's a badass travel agent. Well, and I would say, I actually think in general that Mel- Melody Anderson, I think that was her name. Yeah, Na- Melanie, Melody Anderson really kills it. I think she too also understands exactly what movie she's in. And she's like, I get it and I'm here for it. <laughs> she did her own stunts, right? Because there was no like, takes it's like one cartwheel surely i mean i guess i say she does her own stunt she did one cartwheel with it was like a one-handed cartwheel which is like pretty impressive but i can't do a two-handed cartwheel so i don't know i'm impressed i remember lizzie mcguire and apparently it's not that hard to do a one-handed cartwheel because lizzie has to teach herself because she broke her arm oh i forgot about that episode i was thinking Mm. about the rhythm dancing episode what a documentary (laughs) it's a documentary Teenage life. I don't think you understand. You don't ever talk about Lizzie McGuire negatively. Yeah. Oh, I loved Lizzie McGuire. We McGuire. named our boat the Lizzie McGuire. <laughs> yeah, we named our boat the Lizzie McGuire in Sea of Thieves. And oh, it was on I the short it. list for movie. To, the Lizzie McGuire movie was on our short list to cover for this <gasps> anniversary episode. Okay, wait. I didn't know that. But... <laughs> wait. Um, excuse me. Can we can we go back? Can we hit a third anniversary already? We are 42 minutes yeah. into this. <laughs> we cannot know, go back. It's a long one. <laughs> a long one. Um, uh, I also want to talk about the scene with Zarkov where he gets his memory wiped. The sequence that they played showing his memories was, again, it's wild. But wild. also amazing. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's it's like weird by choice and in a way that doesn't feel too contrived. But there's also a really nice sentiment there where, you know, he's a man of science. He's an intellectual. And like the worst thing you can do to him is to take his memories and his mind. And I wrote down the line he says where he says, my mind is all I have. I spent my whole life trying to fill it. And it's really sad because then we see we see him go backwards through his memories basically starting from that point as they are like taken from him and there's a wild sequence where there's like a woman at a pool and they throw the woman into the pool and then suddenly it looks like the woman has drowned in the pool that bit's wild and i kind of love that that just happens and then never is touched on again because you're left sitting there being like wait no 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 i want that story yeah what happened so that particular scene within a scene was she drowned? I mean, I just, I had a lot of questions. Did anybody, Ian, you've watched this eight times this this month. So um, can you answer my questions? <laughs> no, because nobody knows, oh. including me. The other last part I had was the very 
beginning of his memories. That that was that was his mom orgasming, right? I mean, I think it's yes. his. I thought it was supposed to be his mom giving, birth but it was when he because was it a, happens oh. like a. It happens before it goes to the like the little baby fetus because the last thing is a little baby fetus with the sound of a heartbeat. Oh, okay. Which I would like to point out that unless that is his twin, he would not have that particular view and his memory. Oh, <laughs> but I the think plot it's supposed thickens. to be his mom giving birth, but it does sound weirdly like Zarkov ate his twin. Again, I want more of a Zarkov story. <laughs> It's a lot better. I, we don't I feel know. like they would have uh, unpacked that in that sequel had they gotten it. God, I wish they'd gotten that sequel. That would have been amazing. I loved it. So anyway, Zarkov is mind-washed, brainwashed, and he's been reprogrammed to level six against orders from... By the fabulously dressed, I can't remember what her name is. She's like a colonel or something, general. I don't know, but... I want to be her for like Halloween. <laughs> There's also, uh, so when we finally cut back to like Aura and Flash going to uh, Arborea, which I love the names of all these moons too. It's like just Latin and then I-A Phrygia. put on the end, Phrygia, Arborea, like whatever the geog- the monotone geographical landscape of this moon is in Latin plus I-A. And there you go. But there's a, a line where Flash has apparently now also learned how to fly like completely just fly spaceships says how far to the landing pad and Ara says 6.4 and I was like 6.4 what <laughs> minutes 6.4 units <laughs> what units of uh, imaginary space right perfect <laughs> standardized imaginary space units <laughs> she telepathically gave him the units that they weren't wearing the weird That's... telepathic cage headdresses. But they're close, so they don't need the amplifiers. It also has one of my favorite lines, which is the, do they not have telepathy on your planet? Yeah, the indignancy. Telepathy is used, like, in this one instance, never used again. Don't worry Seems about like it. Seems like a really Just crucial, like, tool in your tool set, but no. What we need to worry about is that bonkers ceremony that the tree men make their initiates go through (laughs) yes but it's like the way they shoot it is like creepy oh yeah it's shot very well and it's full of suspense because you like stick your arm into this stump and if you get stung you're gonna go mad or you beg for your death and if you don't get stung then you're a tree man (laughs) so um i have questions (laughs) I don't, I don't know why do, you yeah. just explained the entire process right there. Don't get stung. Get to be tree man. Get stung, die. And knowing how this came about, like the anthropology behind this is what I want to know. Don't think too hard. <laughs> how did this come up to be? <laughs> it seems like a recipe for a shrinking colony to make your members risk death for initiation. Think about how strong the members you keep are. You mean how lucky they are? There is no strength yes. in that initiation. <laughs> what, what if it's like, what? But then, like, they're super unlucky out of after that because then they used all of their luck in that one instance. Yeah, it's bonkers. I don't know. I don't. Uh, it, know. It's crazy. God um, bless religion, guys. I mean, seriously, <laughs> the fact that like their entire society is built upon like one guy one time being like, 
you can't hang out with me unless you put your hand in this hole and you don't get stung. <laughs> I bet it was something where then the person did it and they're like, oh my god, I can't believe they actually did that. I gotta keep this uh, up. I kind of want to bang him now, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he got lucky enough not to be stung by this thing we like purposely irritated. He can oh, get gosh. lucky tonight as well. <laughs> Baron, not super happy to see Flash. No. Has him thrown in a cage in a swamp with a hawk man and a lizard man. I guess we get to see Flash being like super quarterbacky because he's like, you, it's okay, hang in there, we got this. Because like the cage is submerged, so they're all like hanging onto the top of it with like their heads above the water. And you've got the like creepy sidekick to Baron who like we just see in these couple scenes, but like the actor kills it. The character is like so weird and creepy. But he talks Baron into, like, putting him in the cage with Flash so that Flash will escape and then Baron can kill him. Which, okay, Baron, why the hell did you try and kill him via the ceremony? I don't know, but I love the scene it results in. I think the tension they build is really, really good. Mm Because they do it, like, five times, four or five times, something like that. Yeah. And then Flash tricks him. Well, there's the... There's the bit where Flash goes first, and then Baron, and then Flash, and then Baron, and neither of them have still been stung, have been stung yet. And you can see Baron start to get nervous. And so then Flash is like, it's your turn. Or I think he says something, so he's like, second down. He's like using weird football terminology, and it's stupid. But Flash is like, it's your turn. And Baron says, no. And Flash is like, I thought those were the rules. And Baron says, the rules just changed. So he's getting really nervous. Flash basically sees that Baron's going to continue doing this until Flash dies, and he's going to not play by the rules, so to speak. He just wants Flash dead, and that's when Flash, like, fakes getting stung. But he, like, runs away, and I love how it's out of the frying pan into the fire with that weird blow-up creature at the bottom of the forest floor. It reminded me a lot of the part in Princess Bride where they have the (laughs) R-O-U-S's. Yeah. But then saved by the Hawkmen. Yay. Mm -hmm. Yay, Hawkmen. The Hawkmen who Zarkov and Dale had, Zarkov and Dale had escaped and then they got captured. Favorite line in this movie is Zarkov when he is escaping with Dale because he's supposed to be reprogrammed and is supposed to be like a double agent. Well, he is a double agent at this point. But he's like, you know what I did when they erased my memory? I did all of these intellectual things. It armored me, girl. (laughs) 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 Like, what kind of line is that? But I love it. (laughs) It's so, well, because the actor like delivers it so well, you're like, yeah, okay. And by this point too, you're like, so much ridiculous shit has happened. I was like, I'm in. Like, I'm just in for this ride. Like, I want to see what crazy things happen. Oh, same. They show up at the Hawkman's place. We get some more lovely bits of Brian Bless playing uh, Voltan and just being like over the top, larger than life. And that's when Zarkov and Dale are trying to convince him that they need to team up with Flash because Flash will, like, save them and then they can overthrow Ming. And that's when you get the very famous Gordon's alive line because, of course, everybody thought he was dead. Naturally. (laughs) Yeah. And Dale's like, of course he is. I talked to him telepathically. Duh. Do you guys have telepathy on this planet? (laughs) 
Okay, so anyway, we all this all kind of like comes to a head at the Hawkmen's palace, floating palace in the sky. I love this scene. The fight I scene. I think it's so good. I think the fight is so good. On the tilt platform with the spikes. Because yeah. they have Baron, they have Flash, and so they're put on this, it's like a floating platform in the middle of like just this hole in the floor, and you've got like these blue and reds, pink swirls of like clouds underneath that we're meant to understand is like the void of space and i love how that like in space stations everywhere there's just holes places seems like poor design but whatever but we get a great fight so on the platform you have baron and flash there's like two whips and they're fighting to see who can throw the other one off the platform and flash tries to be like sportsmanly and baron does a great thing where instead of taking the handshake he just takes off his gloves and just throws them into the abyss because he is not there to mess around and then you find out that the platform tilts as the fight goes on, and then there's the spikes. Oh, and Voltan is having the time of his life putting all of these, like, kinks in the fight and, like, just playing with the platform on his little handheld remote control thing. <laughs> and he's, like, giggling the whole time. That's when we get the Dale line that I love so much, because uh, right before that Flash, like, proposes to her, right before he gets into the oh, fight, I forgot and about at that. one point she gets mad and she... Uh, I can't remember exactly what she says, but she says something about like, I just got engaged. And then she has the line, Flash, I love you, but we only have 14 hours to save the Earth, a.k.a. quit fucking around and win this fight already. <laughs> but no, they, they do build some good good suspense there with, you know, multiple times each one falling down, sliding to the edge. But the It's a well-choreographed Totally fight, agree, especially with the, the whips, because that's really what they're fighting with. So that, I feel like, gives it more of a, I don't know, it gave it more tension for me because it's not like you're up close and, like, grappling. It's this cat and mouse, like, circling around the platform thing. Um, but the, but it ends with Baron dangling off the edge and Flash being the upstanding all-American football player he is. Blah. <laughs> <laughs> Lola's like, push him off, push him off. Yeah, I needed some murder. I mean... I'm not sure I would have been as magnanimous. I would have been very sad if they killed off Timothy. Dalton. I mean, yes, but he does save him. And Voltan's not happy about it, which I love. No, he's like, what is this? And Zarkov goes, the human spirit. And his response is <laughs> madness, <laughs> which is delightful. So I, I do want to take this point really fast to just touch on how each of these distinct like tribes or areas has a really cool, unique visual identity about it. So we talked a lot about Ming's place where it's like these heavy reds, golds, blacks. And then you move to Arborea where it's this kind of dark, earthy, green tone thing. So like now we're at the earth and then now we're in the Hawkmen in the air, in the sky. And it's like these silvers and light blues and everything kind of like moves and shimmers in the backdrop. I I thought that was a really cool way to set off the different tribes, like both visual, like visually to complement how different they are, like politically too. I also like how, yeah, with like each one very much leaning into a specific color, it also makes it easier to pick out characters in those big crowd scenes. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree with you. So fight scenes over. Ming is coming to destroy the Hawkman's palace. They have a little talking where Ming offers Earth 
well, his henchman guy shows up, whose name I forget, but who is like super oh, creepy to Aura. Right. Cletus. Yes, Cletus. What a well, name. Cletus, but Cletus. What a name. Cletus. <laughs> he's like he's like almost a robot. You're not sure, a hundred percent. But he shows up and he's. <laughs> That's who like, I am. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's like the the one scene where he's on his way and he's like sleeping and the guy wakes him up and he's like, We're almost there, we know where they are and he was like, Okay, wake me up when we're actually there <laughs> And then he just starts leaning back again. <laughs> he just like goes back into his like recliner. <laughs> um he shows up and Baron and Flash throw him onto the spiked platform. Then his eyes pop uh, out. Voltan, yeah, his eyes and his tongue pop out in like a weirdly little graphic up close shot. But uh, the Hawkmen start freaking out, and they like just abandon the city. They're like, everybody fly away with what you can carry, grab whatever <laughs> yeah. you can carry. And then that's when uh, the rest of Ming's ships arrive. Ming himself arrives. Uh, Dale and Baron and Zarkov are taken onto the ship, and he has that one on one scene with Flash. And I just Max von Sydow, so incredibly good. Oh, agreed. Because he's offering Earth to Flash. Like, it will be yours. You will be king. And the people will be more pliable now after all of the havoc that he's uh, released on the Earth. I also, his costuming here with the black vinyl headpiece just, like, heightens all of the villainry that he is about for me. Because it's super shiny. Like, you can see all of the lights overhead in it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I also only, like, an actor as good as Max von Sydow can be wearing that costume and still seem appropriately sinister. Yeah, normally I'd be like, oh, you're it's joking. the eyebrows. <laughs> the eyebrows make a difference, for sure. Flash turns him down because Flash is our hero and... He's not even for a second really going to entertain the possibility of taking the planet. Now, if this was anything other than what it is, I would say he needed to show some indecision here. But no. No, I don't I don't want my heroes complicated no. in this one. No, he's like a hundred percent like good. A hundred percent, period. So Ming leaves him and is gonna destroy him, except for Flash finds like a weird escape shoot in the it's fine. Sky City thing, and gets onto like a space jet ski and just rides away. Hey, it's probably because Ara taught him how to fly. That's the only reason he was able to escape. That space jet ski had some kind of um, fancy name for it. Oh, it's gonna drive me oh, nuts. They actually like name it. Yeah, like it's like straight up named in Wikipedia. Don't worry, I'll bring okay, it up cool. later. <laughs> So we did also in this sequence have uh, Ara being tortured by Clytus and the Colonel. Uh, Clytus has already expressed his interest in Ara, and Ming was basically like, yeah, Noah, you can have her because she's a traitor. But I think this is an interesting... Again, I have actually... But the more I talk about this, the more I have decided that Ara's character is the most complex and has the most complex arc. Because up until this point, while she's willing to defy Ming, she's not really going to like get involved, it seems. Like, as long as she gets what mm-hmm. she wants. But in this scene, she's like telling Clyda, she's like, oh, my father will kill you for doing this. And then you have the like two-way mirror yeah light up and you see that ming knows exactly what's going on and like doesn't care since she betrayed him and she's pissed about that so now r is all in i'm here for it yeah i don't want to get on her wrong side i feel like she would 
No. <laughs> I have a feeling she's very ruthless. Oh, for sure. Yes, definitely. So I think the biggest, like, the the back part of this movie is really the interplay between Ming and Dale's wedding scenes and the battle of the Hawkmen against Mosquito Ship. So if we start on the Mosquito Ship part, this is where Clytus was in the ship and like, wait, wake me when we get there, all that fun stuff. His little underlings are like flying into this cloud visuals in this particular scene I I thought were especially striking. So you have the kind of ink clouds and water look about the the backdrops and the ship kind of reds and oranges. Mm -hmm. Is he still on his rocket cycle? Yes, Yes. I think so. Oh, yeah. He's on his rocket cycle for like the foreseeable future. Like that's the only thing he has. Otherwise, he'd fall into the depths of the universe because gravity. I don't know. Would he? Would he? We haven't established any physics. I was say, and we don't know what these physics are. He could fall up. Who knows? Then is it falling or is it floating? I have no idea. Let's not get into this. <laughs> it's falling with style. <laughs> but anyway, you get the lines and lines of Hawkmen going against the ship. And yes. And so they get on the ship, you get this like really intense battle scene. There's apparently a bomb there that they have to like detonate. I love how Volton is trying to stay out of this, but you can tell that he wants to be in it. And at the first sign of an opportunity or an excuse, he's like, fuck it, I'm in. (laughs) Yeah, because like, what was it, Ajax, his second in command or something is downed and Flash is like, I'm going to go save him. He's down. And Volton's like, you can't, that's madness. And then Flash goes in and then Volton's like, ah, what the hell? Exactly. But they get in the ship, we get this the sequence that was very, like, parts of it were very Star Wars-esque to me, because you see, like, the the soldiers scrambling to get ready, and, like, this whole time I was thinking to myself, I am sure that they are thinking about Star Wars in the back of their minds when they're, like, building out the scene. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, because, so. I mean, Star Wars brought back sci-fi, and particularly mm-hmm. space opera. Yes. Yeah, Star Wars definitely, I mean, influenced this movie, or at least helped get its funding. Yeah. So yeah, for sure mm-hmm. that was an influence. But yeah, I it was just kind of cool to see, because that's pretty, like, it's even more timely in 1980 than it would have been, you know what I mean? I don't know. It yeah, was yeah. cool. Yeah, because Star Wars um, came out, in, the first one came out in 77. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they have the helm of the ship. Apparently, they're going to try and get it in the city, do their thing. But there's, there's surprise, a lightning shield around the city. <laughs> Which I love. That they're going to have to get through. Now, I feel like we take this opportunity. We're, we have Voltan and Flash in the ship. They're talking about the lightning shield. Now let's go talk about what's going on with Dale and Aura and Baron and Zarkov. Oh, yes. So Baron and Zarkov <laughs> are getting sprung First, Aura. Aura and Dale have like this conversation. With oh, I forgot about Aura that. Aura gets thrown into the room, and Dale immediately is like hitting her and like slapping her over the head with like that cushion. And you see like all of the <laughs> the like servants like kind of giggling and stuff as they like fight at each other. But Aura says something about like, "No, like I'm on your side now," and like says as proof that she's been crying and she's like never would have done that before. Okay, but again, character arc. Yeah, because earlier she asked about the the water in the eyes, right? So she's seeing it, and she gets it now, and she's like, I'm on your side. Dale says some weird line about how, because Ara's like, okay, I'm on your side, let's kill my dad. 
She's like, I got it all worked out. Here's <laughs> the poison. going to go down. <laughs> and Dale's like, I can't do it. And Nara's like, I'm sorry, what? She's like, well, I promise I'd be a good wife, which I was like, that's a very archaic phrase right there. Um, but also it has very 1950s no, undertones. Although I think we no. can all agree that like a good spouse won't try and kill you. But our <laughs> was like, my dad's not going to keep his word. And Dale's like, yes, but I do. I am going to keep our word. That's what makes like us earthlings better than you. And I was like, Dale, he's going to kill you eventually. Like why? Like, this is not the time to be drawing this line. Okay, It comes back in their vows where it's like, you will not jettison her into space. Until you decide to. <laughs> exactly. And I'm like... Do you want to keep your word now? How you feeling now? But then once the ceremony actually starts, and I like that they have Dale in like a black dress that is just completely beaded and amazing. And but wearing black to her wedding. I like, know. And these like crazy perfect. head dresses that have been happening the entire time. Um, you have Ara in the elevator, and she just like throws her cloak on the ground, like tells the like little soldier servant guy to pick it up, and then takes two little pins out of her belt and like stabs him. I just and then goes and springs Zarkov and Baron. Okay, the one line that they said that I loved was, "Tell me more about this man Houdini." <laughs> <laughs> yes, because they are both shackled <laughs> and have like bags over their heads. And Baron just says to Zarkov, so tell me more about this man, Houdini. And then you can see, like, painted on the wall next to them, it just says, like, long live Flash. And I'm like, who put that there? And with what? So really, things are, like, moving rapidly towards their beautiful conclusion. So they're going through the ceremony, and they, well, one, the general, or the the general? Colonel? I don't know. She's, sure. Fabulous um, henchman High-ranking lady. Yes, has decided to make an announcement that the guns will be firing in continuous salute, <laughs> which her delivery of that line is to cover up the amazing. fact that there is a speeding ship that they are pretty sure has Flash Gordon aboard, just like driving straight at them. And yeah. I love, oh my god, in the wedding ceremony too. There's like you know the planes how they'll have the banners behind them. Yes, they have a spaceship go by the like big window. And the first banner says, all creatures will make merry. And then another one flies by that says, under pain of death. Oh, it's so good. Which just cracked me up. Wow. So flashes we discovered on a suicide mission, because apparently Mm -hmm. they're just trying to make the force field go away. There's something broken on the ship that he apparently now knows enough about to know that it's broken and know that the ship cannot fly without it. (laughs) <laughs> so he's going to stay aboard and just like go at the lightning shield in a very, very lucky turn of events. Baron gets the force, the lightning field shut down. Oh, yes. At the same time, killing the general. That was another creepy death scene. She just melts down the stairs. And so Flash, instead of running into the lightning field, just crashes through the main window where wedding ceremony is happening any skewers ming skewers ming and i like as the ship is coming towards the window there's just dale just runs off to the side and just screams over her shoulder go flash as she like gets out of the way (laughs) again it's great and also this is why you don't make your spaceships look like mosquitoes ming dies slash disappears into his own ring which I actually, in an earlier scene, noticed for the first time that Aura is wearing like a similar ring. And I was like, does her ring also have magic powers? 
Because Mink, like, used it to, like, freeze people at certain points. I mean, that would make me think she's an even better, like, good guy, if that makes sense, if she never used her force field. Anyway, but Ming disappears into his ring. There's, like, the lovely freeze frame because the little floating robot from earlier comes out. And we don't know if it's good or bad, but turns out Zarkov has taken it over. So he, like, says something about, like, long live Flash, and Flash does, like, a freeze frame jump into the air that is bizarre, and you would think would be the last shot of the movie, but isn't. It's not? Oh, my god! Instead, we have wonderful queen score going over everybody cheering for Flash and Dale and Baron and Aura and Zarkov. Baron's announced, like, new leader, and then Flash is, like, Dale, do you want to stay? And she's like, no, I'm a New York City girl, and it's too quiet here. Okay, Dale. Aggressive. Eye roll. But um, then it's a cut to the last shot, which is of the ring lying on the ground. Yeah, yeah. which I loved this end. I do, too, with Ming's laugh, and it's like the end. And then he starts. you start hearing his laugh in the background, and then a little question mark And you get the beautiful, up. like, Hanna-Barbera, like, sound effects with the doing that you've had like multiple times before it's it's the perfect end it is and really makes me want a sequel but at the same time i'm also like you know what i'm okay with this being a standalone i just want more i know but then what if the sequel was like really bad like actually bad then not like fun I'd bad be not like campy <laughs> like i want a sequel in the same way i want a sequel to rocky horror picture show you you just want something that has that vibe yeah but I know I'm never going to get it. You might one day. It just won't be a direct sequel. It would be something else. Yeah, that's true. That's true. You said that captures the heart of it. Yes, the spirit. I want the <laughs> contents the of Ming's ring <laughs> in a movie. <laughs> uh, it would just be Ming. It's like a Ming talk show. I'd watch that show. <laughs> Today on Max Disappointing the Emperor. <laughs> <laughs> we have Lizard Man number one. Oh my goodness. So oh. I, I really do like this movie a lot. I think part of it, again, comes down to me seeing it under very positive, fun circumstances. <laughs> and like going into it with that mindset, which like I fully appreciate. Sometimes your mindset will totally like color a movie for you. That's happened in our canon episodes for me before where mm-hmm, um, for sure. like my view of it after talking about it is different than, than when I actually watched it. So yeah, I think we talked about that on the last weekend, right? Cause that was one that you watched like during the day bright lights outside the window like stuff like that whereas like i watched it like really late at night like all the lights off and stuff and i was like but really helped with the atmosphere so yeah yeah it can really change how you view a film i think this film is delightful i it's one of the ones i like to pull out when i'm like feeling kind of down just because it's ridiculous and fun and like definitely has that like escapism element like you can't go into this again thinking that it's going to be like high cinema but it is it's high last. <laughs> it is high camp. I would recommend it. I would especially recommend it with friends, a couple drinks in, like just On having LSD. fun with it. <laughs> I think this one would be scary if you were tripping, actually. That is true. I, uh... 
don't share y'all sentiments, but I can understand. I think, yeah, a lot of, a lot of movies, it depends on when you're watching it and in what mindset, because if, you know, you're watching a really sad movie when you're going through stuff, it hits a little harder. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, uh, not in the mood, uh, to yesterday afternoon, um, (laughs) Not not really uh, in the mood for this one, but um, I did I did really like the costumes for it. Um, I loved the fact that there was uh, no budget. I felt that they were trying to adhere to. Uh, they would just make a, a really uh, aggressive scene for almost no reason. Um, so I, I really like movies that kind of do that and like go way over what they ever needed to. But um, I can see why it's a cult film, you know. I this definitely would never do well in theaters. I don't know any any time period that this would have ever done like very well. But I can see how it became a cult classic just simply because it is so weird. Um, and mm-hmm. that's typically what gets turned into a cult classic, obviously. Yeah, so. it's stuff that's weird, maybe a little lower budget, and usually something that like leans into like the camp of it. Yeah, it definitely doesn't apologize for what it's trying to be. Um, and it doesn't it doesn't try to be anything. It obviously knows its influences and tries to call back to those, but it's not trying to absolutely replicate those. It's trying to take this whole new space idea and make it its own movie and trying to, you know, if you think about it, like Star Wars is a good example, like that's a ridiculous movie, but somehow it hit everything right. And this movie yeah. was like, oh, we've got something weird and out of the box. Let's try to make it like Star Wars and uh, was not like Star Wars. Yeah. Well, apparently George Lucas actually originally wanted to make a Flash Gordon film, but like whoever was holding on to the rights like had them and then he ended up doing like Star Wars and kind of creating his own thing but like i agree where it's definitely a throwback but i think even at the time people were just like it's just a weird movie like people it made a profit but it didn't do gangbusters at the box office like it was out of place even when it was made it's a little misfit movie yeah i love misfit misfit movie all right sometime though we will do legend that was another one that was on the short list that is i just I love that movie. That's I don't weird. think I can watch it again. <laughs> it's so weird. I guys, I really like weird movies. I I just like bad movies. So I think there's like a fine line of like this being too weird and not terrible in a way that makes fun of women. Wait, <laughs> that sounds bad. <laughs> I, I like bad movies when they have that I'm not like other girls trope. Yeah. Yeah. Very sure. specific genre. <laughs> yes. Which there are a lot of movies in. Yes. Um, I, I feel like I like weird movies that like pick one thing or like pick like a genre or like an idea or like an aesthetic and just 100% go all in on that thing. Like, with this, it's the, like, space opera camp. With Legend, it's the uh, slow-motion glittery unicorns. I just, I love to see a movie that just, like, goes in on, like, one thing like that and is like, no, 
this is what we're doing. And then they do that one thing really well and kind of don't care about like anything else in the movie. Like it's like the plot can be meh. The acting can be meh. But like, my God, the like, aesthetics. with this one, the aesthetic is through the roof. And like the music is going to be crazy good. And that's all that matters. Yeah, I wish there would have been more Queen music. Um, I feel like there was like a lot of a lot of silence in the movie. Um, yeah, I mean everything that was in this movie they wrote for this movie. It was like a weird trend at the time, where you'd have like rock bands doing the music like that for the movie. Um, What's like another the Who, movie like that? The Who did Tommy, um, wow. and then which is also a very kind of oddball, interesting film. And then never seen that one. I think Queen did Queen do Highlander too, Ian. Oh, I don't. Um, Didn't they use the music for Highlander? Google time. It's tough because I love Queen. I mean, like Queen is one of my favorite bands. Uh, I mean, they played. We played a Queen song, the last song of my wedding. You know, their exit song, and like, yeah. I love Queen. So like, I really, I really had high hopes for this one. Um, it makes sense really to me though because they like the they're a little bit of an oddball band, so I could see them yeah. being very interested by projects like this. Well, and I think uh, just thinking about like Freddie Mercury and like who he is, I bet he really loved the idea of like nobody being judged based off of like what they like, who they love, or like what they look like or what they are. They could be hawkmen or lizard people, and like <laughs> they all kind of had the same goal. And I, I could I could see how he would really like that idea. Mm-hmm. And they also made a probably made a fair amount of money just making. Oh yeah, oh yeah, I'm sure. Three songs. I'm that sure they that just helped. replayed. For sure. <laughs> I just I love the like da 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 beat that they always use to like move into the score. I don't know why. I just really love it. I should put that yeah. on my running list, my running playlist. I have questions. Ian, did you finish googling? Oh yeah, it was it. They did do songs for Highlander. I knew it. That's another bad movie that was on our short list, but it's a bad movie that I don't actually really enjoy that much. Oh, it must be terrible. <laughs> our friend group our friend group loves it. And I I have a hard time with that one. What's your questions, Ian? Oh, about Maggie having a running playlist mostly? I hate running, but I do it. <laughs> because there's no other exercise option right now if I want to leave my house. I've been running because I'm so bored and same thing. There's nothing else to do. All right, I think that wraps it up for Flash Gordon. Any final thoughts, final words? Did you guys decide who you are if we are in a Flash Gordon scenario? I stand by my lizard people. (laughs) I love it. My aesthetic. Honestly, nobody ran and hid, so I don't identify with anybody. (laughs) (laughs) Surely somebody ran and hid. Maggie? Um... I feel like I personally identify a lot with Voltan because I also like things that are outrageous. Are you a bird person? Kaka. Yeah. I'm, I'm light on my feet. <laughs> what's your uh, What's your bird call? <laughs> my bird call. Yeah, I mean, he has a bird it's call. talking because I'm a hawk woman. Therefore, I'm part human. He didn't have a bird call. Does he do a bird call? Yeah, but all of the bird people had these like little whistly things when they like turned. Yeah. I thought it was just his boisterous laugh was his bird call. That will be my bird call. A boisterous laugh. I'm waiting to hear it. Yeah. No. 
Get the people what they want, Maggie. And we want. I laugh call. all the time on this podcast. You can hear my laugh on many an episode. But is it boisterous in the spirit of Voltan? Yeah. Or you'd actually, you know what? If we want to talk about the most boisterous thing I say on this podcast, that would be my bird call. It's fuck you, Ian. <laughs> That's okay. I'll just wait for the listeners on Twitter to ask for your boisterous laugh, and then I will like it and retweet what they say. <laughs> Mostly you will just be tweeting at us constantly. Yep. And liking and retweeting oneself. <laughs> I'll just keep making That's Twitter accounts to, to like and retweet myself. <laughs> Many rushes, what they'll call me. <laughs> Much like Zarkov's uh, accent, right. I'm a little Russian, but I'm not quite sure. <laughs> Lola Karenina. <laughs> okay. So. All right. Let's wrap it up. So join us next time. We will be back to canonical episodes. I believe we're doing Oliver, which, who oh boy, that'll that'll be an episode. And uh, in the meantime, please find us on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter. We are at Best Pictures Pod on both. Um, you can bother us for bird calls if you would so like. You can also email us in at bestpicturespodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear from you. Rate, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Yeah, and thank you, Lola, for joining us for this very weird episode. Yes, I think you might be our... <laughs> Perfect. You might be our uh, most common host, I think. Of course. I think you've done the most. I love talking, and I love... I know that people demand to hear my voice, so... <laughs> <laughs> I just remember one time you saying you didn't like podcasts, and I was like, you've been on ours like five times. I don't like podcasts, but I like being on podcasts, so uh, please send inquiries <laughs> to at uh, Dunbe on Twitter. <laughs> I will be on your podcast if you need me to. I do not turn down anything. Wait, oh, whoa, okay. uh... <laughs> Please don't send me dick pics, guys. All right. And on that note, we will end this podcast. Before Thanks Lola for listening. Promises more than she can deliver. <laughs> Thank you. Bye. Till next time. When? Wait, how? Stop.